as an entrepreneur, if we want to create great value, we need help. Nobody creates much just by themselves. We need a great team of really talented individuals. Now, between us, have any of you ever made a hiring mistake? Have you ever brought in the wrong person? Of course, we all have, or you've never hired anybody. And one of the things that's happening today is there, you know, with the internet and with talent all over the world, we're all next door. And I've got a remarkable entrepreneur, uh, Nathan Hirsch, who has been uh, building businesses and having tremendous success. But he saw this challenge that each of us was facing as an entrepreneur and really has focused in on solving it. And I wanted to have him on our show to show you what you can do to make sure you have the right team performing at that high level, creating all that value for your clients and customers in your own enlightened self-interest. So you get to do well by doing well by others. I'm John Bowen. I'm co-founder of AES Nation, and we're here all about accelerating your success. You do not want to miss this remarkable entrepreneur. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AES Nation. Nathan, you might be the youngest entrepreneur that I've had on, but one of that's accomplished so much. But before we get started, I want to you know, thank you for being on, particularly that you're coming off three days of knee surgery, too. So thank you. Thank you. I might be the youngest, but I feel like I've had the most surgeries. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and it's and it's probably not feeling the youngest at this moment. You're, le- yeah, we. Nathan apologized to me because he's on the couch recovering and not in his office. But uh, he's a trooper and said he wanted to go forward on this. And I want I want to share Nathan uh, a background. I was going to do the introduction because I mean you know the, what you've accomplished in the college dorm and the, you know the the line of things that you've done that led you to this is really impressive. And you know, sometimes you know, I'm I'm 61. I'm a little older than you, and it's so easy for us. You know, we get caught that the only way you can really get insights is from somebody that has a lot of experience. And what I love, I've got a both a mixture of you know the older guys and younger guys and gals team, and I love having this diverse perspective, particularly from remarkable entrepreneurs like yourself that have just hit the ground running. So before we go into kind of life lessons that I want to share with our fellow entrepreneurs. So Nathan, tell me how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I was a broke college student looking for extra beer money on the side. uh, And I noticed the bookstore was ripping me off. I was buying textbooks for hundreds of dollars selling them back at the end of every semester for pennies on the dollar. Um, And and I knew there were all these online bookstores that would give me more. So I came up with the idea to come up with a competing bookstore um, against the school bookstore. And before I knew it, I lined out my dorm room. I had the bookstore sending me cease and desist letters. um, And and it was pretty crazy. And I made a good amount of money doing that. And 
what I noticed from selling all these books to different online bookstores is I came across Amazon.com and when I found it and learned that I could be a third party seller, I became obsessed, addicted to it and I just, this is all I wanted to do. But I quickly realized that I didn't want to carry around textbooks the rest of my life. I also thought that by now they would be outdated um, and everyone would be on Kindles, which hasn't exactly happened. Um, at the same time, I didn't have money to buy a lot of inventory. I didn't have a warehouse to put inventory even if I had it. So I wanted to come up with a different business model. And that's when one day I came up with dropshipping, before, years before I knew it was even called dropshipping, the concept that I would sell something that I didn't have, work with all these suppliers and vendors. I focus on sales and customer service. They focus on building the product and shipping it. And before I knew it, I was running this multi-million dollar Amazon business out of my college frat house, um, hiring people before I could legally drink, making every good and bad decision um, that a young entrepreneur makes. No, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, give us a little scale, uh, idea of the scale that you did, because I've got, you know, I was looking at some of your background and I'm just going, that's a lot of books and a lot of resellers and, you know, different vendors. I mean, that was a lot to coordinate. Absolutely. I don't have the book numbers because I didn't have, I didn't even know like I was running a business at the time. I was just doing it for some side money. Um, but once I started the Amazon business, I mean, within a year, we were selling over a million dollars on Amazon. By the time I graduated college, we were between three and four million on Amazon. Yeah. And, and so tell me then, you know, what led you from there? I mean, it was working pretty well. And, and I'm assuming that you had enough beer money that uh, you covered that part. So, you know, what, what was the next step in the evolution? Sure, so I graduated from college. I had that decision, do I go out and get a real job like my parents thought that I was gonna do when I first got to college or do I pursue this business? And I decided to pursue the business. Um, I ended up moving to Orlando, Florida, opened up an office, which was pretty cheap, um, which is why I moved there. Um, I started hiring full-time people. And what I quickly realized from there is two things. One, all these people that I was paying 40, 50, $60,000 a year, half the time they were doing very busy data entry, low level work and I felt like I wasn't getting a lot out of them. And then the other side of it, I went from doing things I really like, like building relationships and, and processes and building the customer service team to things I really didn't like, like HR and going through applications and multiple rounds of interviews. And so what I, when I learned about Upwork and the ability to hire remote workers, I became addicted to that and I became determined to build um, a remote army, so to speak, where all my employees, they had assistants and the assistants had assistants and um, it was just this great, this great way to get talent from all over the world because when I was just hiring in Orlando, I was competing against all these business owners for the same talent and it drove up the price and it led to turnover. Whereas when I hired people remotely, I could hire different people for different skills at different rates and really make it all work together. And I quickly realized that once I got really good at it a few years later, that I could help other businesses do the same thing because everyone can go to those same marketplaces and hire, but there's no one there to really assist them and to stop them from making the same hiring mistakes that every business owner makes. Yeah, no, this is, Nathan, this is really uh, an area that so many of us as entrepreneurs struggle. You know, we, we, we have some passion or we find something, you know, I call it strategic stumbling. You're the, the college bookstore, obviously, uh, you know, textbooks have just, for some reason, it keeps on trying to be a very inefficient market uh, for whatever reason. And when we see those inefficiencies and the opportunity and people are willing to stand outside our rooms and write checks, you know, many, not everybody, but one out of 400 will run with it and take it. And you, you've learned a lot of lessons. But one of the things as an entrepreneur is, you know, 
we're saying nobody accomplished anything great by themselves. I mean, you, you need a team. And and that's most of us start. I'm going to go back to Michael Gerber, a book, uh, E-Myth. It's one of the top 10 book business books. And Michael is a really good friend. And it's a big turning point for me when I started. You know, I was a good financial advisor, great technician in this and, you know, scaled up and managed billions of dollars. But the the uh, you know I had never thought of myself as a certainly a manager and I, I never became one I became a leader just find the right talent to be able to do this and so many of my fellow business owners I'm I'm involved in a lot of masterminds CEO groups I just see them struggle with this uh, Nathan and and uh, you've started a company in this space uh, I, I want to, before we go there though, I want to go over some of the lessons learned that got you to that point and then we'll I'll bring up the company. But you know, when you think of building a company, any startup, uh, one of the challenges is you know, finding the right people. And, and one of the things that you mentioned to me as we were getting together and you know, just before we turned on the camera was this, this concept of diversification in every part and how important that is in building this team. Tell me a little bit about what you're thinking and why that was one of the big lessons you learned. So I learned this lesson at, at a very young age in year one of my company. I had what I called the manager of the day and I would teach him to do everything from customer service to orders to no joke, his job would be to go around and wake people up in their, in their dorm room if they were late for the shift. They literally were in charge of everything, every part of the business that day. And on the other side of it, we had a lot of success with this one supplier. So we stopped worrying about other ones. We just focused on that one. Let's get all their products up. Let's market it. Let's sell it. Um, and what I quickly realized is every time a manager of the day quit, it took me three months to train someone else up to be that person again. And then one day I was on vacation, my first vacation in almost a year, and our supplier decided to drop us. They didn't want to work with us anymore. So we spent an entire year focusing on this one supplier only to, ha to have them leave. So after I got back from vacation, we started reaching out to lots of different suppliers. We diversified very well. Within six months, we were bigger than we were before and more protected. We started hiring people for very specific compartmentalized projects and um, tasks. And we were very protected. If someone left, it wasn't the end of the world. We put someone else into the system. If a supplier dropped us, which obviously wasn't ideal, we were protected. It wasn't, oh my God, all hands on deck, let's fix this. So that was a lesson I learned at a very young age. It's something I preach to my clients, the, the people that wanna go in and hire one person to do everything. Um, and, and it really protects you long-term as a business owner. Yeah, I mean, this is one that is so important. I mean, I've learned it. I get, you know, we learn things, but we don't always do it. You know, learn it and then you forget. And then there's a reminder. It's kind of the two by four across the head is that, you know, somebody who is very important in your operations leave or, you know, even worse, they should leave and you're not in a position to let them uh, release them for a new opportunity. And this is where, you know, as you start having your business be successful, it's so critical to have, you know, nothing critical as much as possible. And uh, human resources for all of us is usually one of our largest expenses, if not our largest. And we just, you know, having this great team, but having the redundancies there and not having just one person. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it, and as you're working with these people, I'm going to go to number two, uh, this whole concept of avoiding gray areas and setting expectations. Um, 
how this lesson come about and uh, you know, wh what are you sharing with your fellow entrepreneurs so that they can be even more successful? So this is the biggest mistake that, that people make when they hire. So many people, they hire someone, they have them work for a few weeks, and they realize the person isn't doing what they want or they're not doing the same work that the last I did, but there's some kind of confusion. And it's all because they didn't set clear expectations up front. And I mean, I learned this from lots of hires. I hired hundreds of remote workers on my first business. I mean, when I, the first time I hired a worker from the Philippines and you factor in the culture differences and all the stuff that goes with it, I never laid out those expectations of what I wanted them to do, when I wanted them to do it, and how the business works, what my pet peeves are. So what I recommend now is I actually have a document called the Client Expectations Document, which is a terrible name, but I, I give that out to uh, business owners for free and it lets you outline everything. So you hire someone, whether it's a contractor, remote worker, employee, you hand them the document, you're like, read it, let me know if you have any questions, are we on the same page? Yes, okay, let's start training. And it, it saves you so much repeating yourself and it also saves you so much time down the line when you go into something with a gray area, something that's not quite clear, it's only gonna cost you time and money down the line. Yeah, I, I, I find that I have a, you know, a virtual company with probably about 30 people working with me now and multiple businesses and the, the thought process you know, as we're bringing, I mean, we're bringing in two more or three more people over the next 30 days and we're scaling up and I would expect, you know, to bring in a number more. And what happens so often, and when we, you know, when I didn't hire well, one of the key things was that, you know, I'd bring them in because they were talented and, you know, oftentimes proven talent and they've done great things and they come in and, you know, we wouldn't really have a great hiring process, not a great onboarding process, and lo and behold, they wouldn't be successful. And and the reason was there wasn't that alignment of what we wanted to accomplish. And you know, and I think this is one of those if you can start right from the beginning, is going to be invaluable. Let let me go though, and uh, let's talk about a client isn't always right. I mean, that's one of the mantras out there is a client is always right but how do you see it yeah and it kind of goes both ways on the client side and on the worker side i mean the client's not always right but at the end of the day you want to make them happy the core of your business should be customer service focus whatever you can do to compromise and make them happy especially if they're your first clients treat them like gold um, on the worker side, there's always compromising when you're dealing with real people. And just keeping everyone happy should be your top priority. It leads to way more issues down the line. Stuff tends to pile up in business, especially if you have a lot of different personalities working together, a lot of different clients that you're dealing with that all want different things at different times. So if your full core focus is how do we compromise to make sure everyone's happy at all times, that's really how you scale. I mean, right now, free up has over 500 workers in our network, and that's a lot of people to talk to. And then on the other side, we have thousands of clients in our network that all want different things, have different expectations, or have different hiring experiences in the past. So keeping everyone happy is incredibly hard and challenging, but when you make it the core focus of my internal team where the goal is let's figure out a way to make everyone happy with what's going on, with the systems, the process, the policies, the payments, the charges, every single thing, you're gonna have a lot more success. Well, and one of the things I, I like, Nathan, what you're really doing is when you put that bar there that you're going to, you know, you really want this to be, ha you know, uh, delighted clients on both sides of the equation, you know, the talent coming in, the companies that are engaging them, 
then what you do, and this is what, I mean, you're, you have to create the processes because it doesn't happen by accident. And with, as we, you know, we can maybe have it happen by accident with one, two, three, but, you know, as you're saying, you've scaled up to 500. And you, I know you've got plans to grow much larger than that. And, and what happens is it's so important that, you know, to put that bar, whatever you're doing, and, and there's got to be satisfaction because this is how we leverage our businesses and people, you know, the word of mouth on both sides that, hey, this is a great place to work. This is a great place to find the right talent to really make a difference. You know, one of the challenges, and um, I see this you know, my, in myself, I mean, you know, the temptation is, you know, in today's world, the internet world that we're all living in, you know, I can find out how to do anything at any time. I, you know, click on YouTube for free and whatever you want, somebody's recorded something. And, you know, so, you know, with my weaknesses, what I probably should do, what is, go ahead and just work on my weaknesses. And you say, no, and I'm in agreement on this. We're gonna focus on turning weaknesses into the strengths. And tell me what you mean by that. So for me, one of the best meetings that I've ever had was my business partner, Connor and I, who have worked together for over eight years. He was actually one of my first hires. At, at that time, we were clashing a little bit. We were stepping on each other's toes. We, we had different ideas of where the company was going. And we sat out on a balcony and we, we literally just told each other, hey, you're bad at this, you're good at this, you're bad at this. And by the end of the conversation, we had identified that we were polar opposites of each other. We had a list of strengths, a list of weaknesses, and then we had stuff that neither of us were good at. And it was like, okay, we need to hire for these things. So whenever I consult with people, and these are the easiest consulting sessions, people are like, where should I start hiring for my business? You can either hire to take things off your plate and hire lower level people and put them into your processes. But the other side of that, is you hire for whatever you're bad at. If you're not good at marketing, hire a marketer. If your content is bad because you're a poor writer, hire someone to do your writing. The, the best businesses are the ones that have figured out how to take these weaknesses, the things that are holding them back, and turn them into strengths by hiring the right people to do it. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, this is one, yeah, we're pretty aligned here on all this stuff, Nathan. I mean, uh, I'll give a real world example. I mean, I got a whole bunch of books back there. Uh, I've written 20 of those. Okay, well, oops, let me say that again. I've been the author of 20 of those, either authored or co-authored. And that's a lot of books. And you know, now we're producing eBooks and, and books. Probably I'll do four or five that I'll be the uh, author or co-author this year. Okay, if my high school teacher, <laughs> my ninth grade teacher, Mrs. Arby's, you know, found this out, she would not believe it. Uh, and the reason why, I actually did write the very first one. After that, I did exactly what you, you said. I know the power of being a thought leader, positioning, everything else, creating content. And the challenge is that I, you know, it takes me a huge amount of time to write. Well, maybe I should hire a writer, an editor, a copy editor, you know, and the, the graphic designer and everything else. So we typically now, turn out a book in 30 days. And what was one of my weaknesses, uh, yeah, great at math, financial guy, all that stuff, English stuff didn't work very well. You know, this has become what we are now considered one of the thought leaders in our space, one of the major ones. And, and so, you know, this is whatever you're doing out there, uh, you know, as a fellow entrepreneur, 
you know, something that you you really have a weakness is holding you back. I mean, this is where finding the right team. I, I, I just remember the very first writer I hired, I had written an article and asked her to kind of make it a little better. And it came back and she didn't send a red line version. And I'm going, you know, did she do anything? And we did a few of these. And on the third one, I go, you know, I got to check her. Uh, she's got is she really doing anything because I you know this sounds like me and then you know on Word Microsoft Word you have the ability to compare documents never do that with a good writer because I had red lines all over the place Nathan and and you know and, and it's the same with technology I'm a big user of technology but boy in today's world there's so much talent out there and what I love uh, is they bring not only that, you know, you give them the idea that you want and then they take it from there and just make it so much better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they make you look really good, right? I mean, I have a team of 20 people that do a lot of things that I can't do from managing social media pages to the graphic design to editing my videos that go out. And I mean, they, they make me look incredible and surrounding yourself with those people is really everything. I mean, I could spend the next six months learning how to do Facebook ads at an incredibly high level, or I could use my guy, Ian, who's does a fantastic job. He has 10 years of experience, just marketing in general, um, and he takes it to the next level, and he'd be better than I would be if I spent the next year or two learning it. So figuring out how to strategically turn those weaknesses into strengths is everything. Well, and, and one of the challenges as we're doing all this is, you know, how we treat our teammates because you know i grew up in an age i have a military background i was a pilot in the navy you know the uh clearly chain of command there but you know uh, i'm 61 you when you in my age it was chain of command for all and you know people were fortunate to have a job type thing now you know in today's world as we were talking about workers have choices and you got to treat them right or you know what there's and i live in silicon valley if you don't treat them right here they can walk across the street pretty quickly but in today's world they could be anywhere and walk across the street virtually so what are you talking about treating them well and then how do you do it yeah i mean i've had clients that come to me and they're like everyone i hire quits and I'm like, all right, let's get to the bottom of this. Like, show me how you interact with people. And I'll introduce them a few workers and they'll shoot off an email that's talking down to them, that makes them feel terrible, um, that's not that team mentality at all. And they're really nice clients. And I'm like, all right, let's take a step back. Like, let's, let's go through this email and figure out how to change it so that you're not always talking down to someone. And a lot of people don't do it intentionally. But what you have to realize is all these different workers, especially when you hire remote, come from different backgrounds, have different emotional stability. They have different clients that treat them in different ways. They might have clients that treat them really well and then they get to you. And if you're not treating them on that high level, they're really looking for that. So you need these people more than they need you or just as much. You have to treat them well. You have to figure out ways to show them that their work means something. For example, don't just give them a sheet have them do the work, hand it back to you, and you give them another one. Show them how it actually impacts the company. Show them the goals of the company, how they, how what they're doing impacts those goals. Thank them when they do a good job. Tell them when they do something bad, something good, so it's not just harping on them when they mess up. Um, and really make them feel part of the team and something that's growing and something they want to be a part of long term. Because even if it is a one-time project, if it's a graphic designer for a logo, you want to be able to come to them again in 
five years maybe for another project. So you want to build those long-term relationships. And so many people, they kind of think that they're the boss. They can talk to anyone any way they want. And they have a lot of turnover. And we both know how expensive turnover is. I mean, it kills startups. It can set you back months. It can cost you a lot of money. It's a lot cheaper just to treat someone well to begin with. Well, and I, you know, we have almost no turnover. And one of the reasons why we do it is I follow your advice. And I, the way I've found it to be different is I just, particularly with you know, virtual assistants, virtual uh, contractors, independent contractors, is that I treat them as fellow entrepreneurs. I mean, they do have choices and they are entrepreneurs. They may be small scale, they may be solopreneurs, but they are, they have the choice of who they do business with. And very seldom am I the only one they're doing business with. And I like it that way. I mean, in the days of uh, when I had employees, you know, one of the big things was I had to create enough work for them to be all fully engaged. Well, with an entrepreneurs, I like, you know, virtual businesses because we're working with virtual entrepreneurs. The, the idea then they get up every morning, you know, if you inspire them and they want to be part of your ongoing team, they, get, uh, they want to help you become more successful. They want to create a bigger pie so they can play a larger role. And this is where there's so much more alignment versus the entitlement type uh, model. But, you know, to do that, you've got to treat them. And, and this is a rule I just always remind myself is they're a fellow entrepreneur. They may be a smaller scale. Sometimes they may be bigger, but, you know, they're going to have their, you know, they're the right talent. They're going to have that unique skill that is valuable in the marketplace. And you've got to attract them much like you would attract a client. Right, Nathan? Absolutely. I mean, you really hit it on the head. A lot of people forget that these remote workers, they're freelancers. They work with other clients. They have lots of opportunities. Just like you get access to talent from all around the world, instead of just being in your town, um, they get access to clients from all around the world as well. And it, it's really the best. I mean, on the personal side, yes, it's great to treat people well and you build really strong relationships. And some of the cool stuff for me is whenever I travel, I always get to meet up with people that I've done business with one way or another and it's kind of rewarding. But on the business side, if you just look at it as a strict business decision, it costs you less money. Um, it'll make you more money long-term if you can figure out how to motivate and treat people well. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I I have an executive assistant, Stacy, uh, who is in Des Moines, Iowa, and I had never met her. You know, she'd been working with me for about three months, and uh, we were doing a large event in San Francisco, so I flew her out. And one of a good friend who wasn't at our event, but happened to ride down with his wife, was from Des Moines, Iowa, too. And they started talking, and he didn't know I was there, and he was running a large event at the same time. So it was, we were just talking. We got off the phone, and and you know, it's a crazy world in today's world that you know many of the team members I've never met that are very important to me. You know, we try to create times that we get together, but sometimes you just can't do that. But, you know, it's always giving them, you know, I treat them, you know, uh, quite honestly, uh, Nathan, better than employees. Uh, because I, you know, the employees, there's usually the golden handcuffs, there's incentives, they're there. Here, the, I mean, these people, they push one button, you know, they, you know, you could hang up on me on Skype and you're gone type thing. You know, it doesn't. It's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not that kind of, uh, you know, whole change. 
what what are you seeing? You know, the your uh, contractors who. When are they raving that this is somebody they want to work with? What are those people doing? Well, one of the cool things about FreeUp is we have very little turnover in general, but it's also against marketplace policy to drop clients. So part of it is not every client is rainbows and butterflies, and we want to teach people to deal with tough clients. And a lot of it goes back to stuff we already talked about, like avoiding gray areas, setting expectations, client is always right to make them happy, all that kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of it is the cl the client isn't malicious. Just like most of the time, the worker isn't malicious. They they want what's best for their business. They want to treat someone well. A lot of times, they don't know how. They don't know how to manage people. They don't know how to set the expectations. They don't know how to treat people well or how to motivate them and how to set goals. So part of assigning the worker with us is also educating them. And the worker almost comes into it as a business owner, like you said trying to help the client out being like, Hey, I work with other clients. Like this is how you approach these different situations. And we try to take on clients that are willing to not only hire, but learn and improve as well. So that's, what's kind of cool about the free up network. You know, let's, let's go into, I'm going to put up on the screen, uh, your website it's free up and they, have three E's. Uh, so, and you know, links uh, obviously anything we uh, talk about will be at AES Nation. But give me kind of big picture. You know, our fellow entrepreneurs are going, okay, I know that I should be delegating more things. I should, you know, there's certain things that I, weaknesses that I have that I can build in the strength if I have the right team members. Give me kind of a little bit specific now and, you know, how you guys do it and how you differentiate yourself in the market from the Upwork and you know the different virtual assistant kind of uh, services out there. Yeah, so remember, I've been a client for nine years or so. Um, I know what clients like and I, and I know what they hate. So I really decided, tried to design a marketplace as everything that clients like. So at FreeUp, we get hundreds of applicants every week. We have a great interview process based on my eight plus years of hiring. We have 15 pages of communication marketplace guidelines that our workers have to memorize and get tested on. Um, and then we take the top 1%, we add them to the network, and we make them available to the clients first come, first serve. So as a client, it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee. Anytime you need a worker, instead of posting a job and getting 100 applicants, you submit a request. We fill that request with one to three people, depending on how many you want to meet. Um, and then you get to meet the worker, interview them quickly, hire them same day if you want to. So Sometimes let me let me stop you just for a second. You know, how am I meeting them, Nathan? Sure. So you put in a request inside your account. We once we're ready to fill the request, you get an email saying, "Here's Bob. He costs ten bucks an hour, whatever it is." Um, and then Bob will introduce himself and. All the workers, they have email, Skype, WhatsApp, Viber, phone call. Um, if you have your own software that you want to use to communicate with them, you can do that. Um, they'll communicate with you however you want. And how, how do I, so um, let's do two different ways, projects and then ongoing type of work. How, how, so if I have a specific project, walk me through, um, you know, wanna, give me a kind of makeup of a, a classic project that you have. And the reason why I want to go in a little bit more detail, Nathan, is I have a lot of fellow entrepreneurs. I mean, I spent over 100,000 a year in various mastermind groups and CEO groups. So got a lot of CEOs. And, and one of the things that they struggle with, and I did too, is, you know, this concept of having this great virtual team is just huge. I mean, people love that concept. 
and very few businesses are really using it to the level they could and you know and and it, and I look at it, I don't go overseas. I'm, I'm primarily all U.S. and a little Canada and a couple other places. But um, I pay at the higher level, then I'm not looking to save money. I want the best talent to for I do a very high end services for the financial services and very successful uh, business owners. And, and we have also a division for the super rich, 500 million more. I want just the top of the top. But but I hire both. And so I want to go into the details so my fellow entrepreneurs can go and say, okay, I can see how to do it. So I, okay, I want to get started. I want to try. I've got a project. I mean, you pick a project that would be a common one that they would do, Nathan, if you would. Sure. Let's say you want to build a WordPress site, just a, a lead page. So let's not forget, we're not an agency, we're a marketplace. So when we introduce you to the worker, everything else is between you and them. And these workers, they're business owners, they're consultants. They, they, do, they do this all day long. So a lot of them have their own systems and processes for how they do it. But the process for us is still the same. We introduce you to the worker, you interview them for 10 to 15 minutes, make sure that they're the good fit, they have the skills and the experience that you need, click the hire button, you're good to go. And from there, um, they do a quick audit. They go over with you your goals, your expectations, what we talked about before, um, trying to eliminate every gray area so they have the complete scope. And once they have that, they're gonna let you know the estimated hours that go with it because we only bill hourly, um, and they, we, they need to get approval before they can start work. So they're like, hey, this is the scope. It's going to take 10 hours, high estimate. They always overestimate. Do you approve? Client says, I approve. They start working on it. And the best part about us is I mentioned those communication guidelines. They keep you updated every step of the way. So many business owners fall into that trap where they hire someone for a month project and they get an update right at the end and it's not at all what they thought it was going to be. So you're gonna get those hourly, daily, weekly updates. A lot of times they'll ask the client because not every client wants an update on the hour. Um, but yeah, and, and then it goes from there. And then when you get close to the end of it, they'll let you know, hey, we're right on with our estimates or hey, can we approve another hour? Um, and then when you get to the end, the client might say, okay, here's a few extra things to add on. They'll give estimates and repeat the process. So it's really that simple and it's structured so that it's fair for everyone and there's no surprises when the client gets the invoice or gets the finished project. Okay, let's go one more step. Let's say it's some, you know, you, again, you pick, if you would, what's um, an ongoing type of relationship that someone's going to have and how is that going to be managed? Sure. So some people hire remote project managers and this is a freelancer that they do project management for a bunch of different clients. Some projects go up and down and um, come and go. So the a lot of times you'll start off with, hey, I need you X amount of hours a week. Is it set schedule? Is it flexible schedule? All that would go in the worker request. So if you need someone that can work every Saturday, we're only introducing you to someone that can work every Saturday. Um, from there, we introduce you to the worker. Same thing applies. They do that one to two hour build audit period, go through everything, goals, expectations, game plan. Um, and then from there, if it's more of an ongoing stuff, it's what support do they need? Do they need to set up Skype calls? Do they have to hire lower level workers to um, work underneath them, whatever it is on more of an ongoing, whether it's part-time or full-time basis, um, and how long the project's gonna be, whether it's indefinite or whether it's one month, setting all those parameters up top, um, and then it's setting a start date, which is usually pretty quick, um, and getting going with the project. And how, you know, give me the business model pricing that you guys do. Sure, so if you go to freeapp.com, click pricing at the top, um, it shows all the different skill sets we offer. Essentially, we have workers from five to fifty dollars an hour. Okay, uh, let me put that online too, so everybody can see. But uh, 
you know, freeup.com slash pricing. It's right there and I've got it on the screen if you're watching the video. Cool, so essentially we have lower level, mid-level, and expert level workers. Lower level workers, they have years of experience because we're not a marketplace for newbies, um, but they're process driven. They, they're there to do what they're told, to get instructions from a client. The way one client does it might be different than another. So you shouldn't just go say, hey, I don't know anything about Facebook ads, let's hire a lower level worker to do it. You really need to have a system and process that you put them in. The mid-level workers are that next level, maybe the lower levels are 10 and below, whereas mid-level are more in that 10 to 30 range. They're specialists, they do one or two things really well, whether it's building Shopify stores, graphic design, writing, whatever it is, and they do the same thing all the time. So you're not hiring them to train them, you're hiring them for them to bring their own experience to the table and execute that one thing very well for you. And then you've got those top level consultants, those are the people with years of experience, they can do everything from the top down, if it's Amazon, they can do PPC and SEO and, um, and really anything that goes along with Amazon. Um, and I mentioned how the experts work, the first one to two hours build time, they go through, audit everything, come up with a game plan, they can act as project managers, get your approval, and then get started on executing that game plan. Uh, this is great, Nathan. I mean, this is one, uh, let me go to the, kind of wrap this up, because uh, this has been just so invaluable, is you know, kind of the key takeaways that I'm walking away with, and, and the, what, jumps out at me is the power of delegation in building the right team and you know this is it's you know boy we used to be so limited because we could only work with the people right near us and in today's world we've got the whole world well that makes another dilemma we've got you know great entrepreneurs like uh nathan that are rising to the occasion to help us so you know let me go over the big five that he talked about is you know diversify in every part of the business and you know with instead of having full-time employees having part-time independent contractors our ability to build redundant systems is very real and to do that well though we've got to avoid the gray areas and set expectations so we've got to be clear before we get started you know what we want to accomplish and what are the expectations and how you want to work together with and this is a really big deal is with your fellow entrepreneur you know they, they may be solopreneurs free agents but they do have a choice i can tell you over and over again and you know this is i mean you know i love that you're facilitating this uh, they, you know, and you're facilitating trying to keep both parties happy, but each party has to do their part as well, the client and the worker. And but the the big leverage in today's world is finding, you know, it's, for most successful entrepreneurs, it's it's no longer, you know, we don't need, need to know what to do. Quite honestly, we don't even need to know how to do it. We need to know who. And this is where finding the right who, you shouldn't be doing very many things. And the right who, who can make the strength just take off. Treat the fellow entrepreneurs well and you will do well. I'm gonna encourage you to take a look at, uh, I think a great service, uh, free up. I will, I'm, I will be using, I haven't used it yet, but I will be using it because I'll tell you, these matching services, it is finding the right people in the right spot takes some effort. And uh, Nathan, I appreciate you doing this. And I encourage everybody to go at aesnation.com, get the transcription, the show notes, and it will, and the links, and check out what Nathan's doing and 
make sure to build a great team so you can make a difference. Your clients, your customers, they're counting on you. Don't let them down. Wish you the best of success. Thank you. Have a good rest of the day. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.